is standing in front of all of these religious leaders telling them about Jesus, that he was the one who healed them. And we noted that the, that the, the religious leaders noted that these were just ordinary men, regular ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. And as I was prepping different messages, God said, hey, bring Freedom Church right back to the scene because it says in, in verse 23, it says, as soon as they were freed, so they were let go. And they said, do not mention the name of Jesus. Do not talk about him. I want to silence him in your life. And, and they said, nope, we can't stop. So they were let go. But as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted up their voices together in prayer to God. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing today. That, that here, what we are trying to emulate here in our lives is exactly what they're doing 2,000 years ago. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why are the nations so angry? You can see this in the Psalms. Why did they waste their time with futile plans? They're quoting scripture. The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rules gathered, rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Whatever you're worried about today, Whatever's on your mind today, whatever you're stressed about today, it's real. It's real. But God is already there. He's already working on it. Amen. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Now, they were just arrested for being bold in preaching the word. They were just threatened to say nothing. Please say nothing or else we're coming after you. And now they're praying, nope, we want more. We want more boldness to preach the word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. We just did that. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. Something miraculous. God's like, yep, I'm on that prayer. I'm all over that. I'm all over that church family. And they are all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they, and they felt that whatever they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. So there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them. This is amazing. This is ridiculous. This is absurd. They would sell their houses and bring the money to the apostles, to the church, to give to those in need. For instance, there was this guy named Joseph, one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came to the island of Cyprus, and he sold a whole field that he owned and brought, it to the money, brought the money to the apostles. This is the early church. This is who we try to emulate right here at Freedom Church uh, today, 2,000 years later. All right, so you can have a seat, but before you do, um, I want you to say hello to like three or four people around you. And your icebreaker question for today. I know that was a lot of scripture and a lot of standing. 
Your icebreaker question, what's your ideal meal? Share with them, what is your ideal meal? I went to Freddy's last night, got some custard. Anybody want to share what their ideal, ideal meal is? We are finishing up the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Did anybody go through that in the room? Anyone do 21 days of prayer and fasting? I see some of y'all there. All right, celebratory meal is coming right after service today. You better believe it. I've got, I, we had some friends over that had like this peanut butter chocolate chip cookie ice cream birthday cake last week. And I was like looking at it and like, oh, I so love you and want you. And it's in the freezer waiting, waiting for me. So I'm ready. But anyone, anybody want to share what, what the ideal meal? Tacos. Tacos on Tuesdays. All right. Every day. Enchiladas, red or green. Make a decision. It can, come on, you're so indecisive, you Christmas people. Come on. Always green. Fried chicken, all right, all right. Mac and cheese with green chili. Okay, all right. I, I realize it is like 11.30, and you're, you're like, come on, Mike, let's get it going, all right? It's freezing cold in here. Um, ideal meals, ideal vacations. We can think about these things. Oh, I'd want to go there. Um, I want to know, what are some ideas? This is a little bit of back and forth. Uh, ideal community. What do you, when you think, hey, this would be an ideal community, um, what are some things that kind of pop to your head? Just shout them out. Food? There you go. That's all right. Hey, that's good. That's good. What else? Ideal community. Non-judgmental, I heard vulnerable, welcoming, peaceful, fun, yeah, absolutely, encouraging, loving, what was that again, say that again, prayerful, yes, helping others, accepting help which can be just harder than helping, is being able to receive help here. Accountability. That's good, but I don't like that, Austin. I don't want you. Would... <laughs> when we think about ideal community, there's a lot of different things that can come up. I mean, you could think about just the community in Los Alamos. You know, we said, you heard peace. You know, public safety. We want that. We want education. We don't want poverty. We would like health care, things like that. But then when you think about just even within your own like personal sphere, I want a great place for my kids. You know, I, w I want a place where my kids are interacting with other kids or interacting with other families or, or wise adults, a place where we can celebrate wins, where we can cry on losses, where we can laugh together. I think about... Not just like, I, I, don't, I don't think about just events or, or, or emotions or things like that. I think about like decades long. Like the longevity of friendships and relationships and that type of intimacy. Where we, we've, we've done life together for years. I mean, you think about what you want when you think about ideal community. And, and none of those things are, are, are necessarily right or wrong. It's just like we want this. We, we, we want relationships. We want that community. Yet sometimes, as we've talked about in, in these past few weeks, it's easier said than done sometimes. Because community 
is uh, it's a really, really hard. Like our connect group leaders, they have like the hardest job in church. Hey, love on these people, but like make friends. <laughs> Help people make friendships. And while on the surface that might be good, but like think about it. That is, you can't make people be friends. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't just force friendships. You can't force the intangibles. You create environments, you can't create spaces, but you can't, it, sometimes it takes time, it takes hardship, it takes the tough stuff, it takes messiness, it takes accountability to really forge and create some of that intimacy, and it's hard, and it's hard. And you see that here within this first church that they're developing this, this community, the very first church trying to figure this thing out. And before you think, because I have this happen every now and then, People will get a little bit upset that the church today is whatever it is, and they don't like it, and it's not like the first century church, okay? This is Acts chapter 4. Just flip it to Acts chapter 5, and you start seeing some things start messing up, and switch it to Acts chapter 6, and, and now they're fighting, and they're getting into it. They're acting like a normal church, <laughs> all right? So don't think the first century church was all perfect and, and amazing. It wasn't. In fact, you get all those letters from Paul to the church in Corinth, to the church in Galatia, to the church in Ephesians. Why? Because they were all jacked up. They needed a letter to say, hey, get your act together, people. Come on. We got to be doing this better. All right. So the early church was, by far, was not perfect by far. Today, if you're new with us today, I'm really glad you're here. Um, I want to share a few things that are just kind of on my heart as I was preparing this message, I was just kind of like, this one's a little bit of a, a church huddle, um, a little bit of house cleaning within Freedom Church. Not, I'm not complaining or anything like that at all. There's just some things that I'm observing within our church, and I kind of want to share a little bit of those things throughout the message. Uh, today, I want to talk about community. I want to talk about relationships, and I want to talk about that, the fact that we need each other. And that God, last week, the title was God Wants to Use Me. And I believe he does. But this week, it's God wants to use us. All right. Our mission at Freedom Church is to help people take the next step of their faith journey with Jesus, dot, 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 together. And so today I want to highlight together because that's a big piece of it. And so everybody in this room, because I see, I see people, I see teenagers in this room, all the way to seniors in this room and anywhere in between. I'm talking to you. Teenagers, God wants to use you. Seniors, God wants to use you. Anybody in between, God wants to use you. He wants to use us collectively to reach this town and love Los Alamos. Now, stats, a few stats that I saw this week that I wanted to, to highlight because very few of us have what I'm wanting to aspire to today. When I'm talking about community, when I'm talking about relationships, very few of us have these things. Now, look to your neighbor on your right. Everybody look to your right, all right? Or one side, right? <laughs> Everybody's like, what? Tell them, hey, I'm glad you're here. Tell, you, tell your neighbor, I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. All right? Good, good, good. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, I'm glad you're here. Okay? Good, good, good. <clears throat> you just contacted two other people, said, I'm glad you're here. I hope you meant that genuinely. But chances are, according to stats, back in 2021, a Harvard study came out and said one in three Americans are, are seriously lonely. Um, so chances are that someone you just said, hey, I'm glad you're here, is struggling with loneliness. And they said young adults in that same survey 
were 60%, over 60% of young adults said they were struggling with loneliness, all right? And, and you know this because a lot of you have been struggling with that. You struggled with it in COVID, and some of you are still struggling with that. Another stat says that um, in average Americans only have two close friends. 25% in, in that same survey said that they had none, nobody close. And, and a lot of us here in Los Alamos, we struggle with making these relationships and building this community. A couple other stats when it kind of comes to church-related things. I thought this was interesting. I'm going to read these to you. I'm going to go through a brief fast. And I know this is really tiny, so you can't see it. Um, it says, if we read our Bibles four times a week, so we just spent 21 days in God's Word, prayer and fasting, each day getting in the Word together. It says, this, is, this, is from, um, this one's from Lifeway, all right? And so they did a, re they did a recent uh, survey. It said, uh, feelings of loneliness dropped 30%. This is just getting into your Bible, you yourself. Anger issues drop 32%. Bitterness in relationships drop 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Sex outside of marriage drops 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Sharing your faith jumps 200%, which is what we are about. Discipling others jumps 230%. When you are just getting into, your, into the Word at least four times a week, it is good to get into God's word and get in there consistently. All right, so if you're like, well, I didn't do the 21 days and I don't know, just start tomorrow. If you missed today, start, don't miss tomorrow. Let's get back in. All right, next slide. If we prioritize daily prayer, so we've spent 21 days in prayer. People who are prioritized daily prayer, this comes out of a psychologist. This is CNN. Okay, CNN is not backing the church, all right? This is, this is a poll that CNN did. And they did it on prayer. Increases calmness, increased peace, increased encouragement, increased social support, reduced isolation, reduced anxiety, reduced fear, lower rates of depression, reduced anger, redu reduced aggression. All right? This is, this is not, I mean, this all backs up what we teach in Scripture. All right? It is good to pray. But you see, even CNN is like, man, we did this study and this is what we found. Duh. Duh. But easier said than done. All right, next one. Next one. If we prioritize weekly church attendance, People who come to church at least once a week, all right, which is not the norm, by the way, all right. It says frequent church attenders had 55% reduction of all-cause mortality risk to non-church goers. This is a study out of Harvard. Harvard. Harvard is not back in the church, okay, <laughs> all right, but they, they did this study, all right. Those who participate in religious services at least once a week are more optimistic, lower rates of depression, five times uh, less likely to commit suicide, 33% less likely to die, deaths of despair, suicide, drugs, and alcohol. It is good to get in the church and spend time with God's people and God's family. This is not the Bible. These, this is outside social sources and people are finding out, hey, this is what we found out. All right. So when we talk about getting together, all right, I'm just, this is what God says. He's like, this is how I want you to do life. And, and he said, get in the word. Pray to me and talk to me. And do it together with other people. But we struggle so much with this. I'm going to tell you, in, in, what, we talk, what we're talking about here, why it's a little bit, you're kind of like, okay, I hear you. I know this. But you're kind of like, eh, meh, or whatever. Is because this goes against what you have been taught pretty much your entire life. Our culture in America preaches and loves independence. 
We were founded on the Declaration of Independence. All right, now listen, I love America. I love the Declaration of Independence. But there are certain aspects where we say, I'm trying to be financially independent. I'm trying to be independent this, independent that. I'm no, I can't rely on anyone else. I can't have any other weaknesses. I can't show because it's, it's, I got to take care of myself. And to some extent, that is good. But to some extent, that is unhealthy. Because God wired you not to be independent. He wired every single human to be interdependent. The myth is, the myth is, the key to happiness is independence. That's a myth, and that's going to lead you to a lot of anxiety. The truth is, God wired you and I for interdependence. You're not to be completely independent on your own. This goes all the way back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God said, it is not good. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper for him who is just right. So if you're married today, if you can look at your spouse and say, you are just right for me. Guys, go ahead and do that. You are just right for me. All right. I'm trying to help you out. All right. It's not about this. It really isn't a passage about marriage. This is God saying, this is how I designed you and wired you. It is not good for you to try to do this alone and try to be totally independent. All right? And, and he, if you back it up, when God is creating, when God is creating, when God is creating, you go back to the creation story of man, and it says in, in chapter 1, verse 26, God said, let us, plural, let us Make human beings in our plural image to be like us, plural. What's he saying here? God existed before any of creation and he was already in perfect community. When we are in community with other people, not trying to do this independent thing, but interdependent thing and build community relations, you are like God. You are like God in the sense that he, he, he resides in this perfect community uh, with God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity. It's the mystery of God. I can't fully explain it, yet you can see it and understand it. Three persons in one, and they're not three separate, but here they are in perfect unity and perfect community. And God wants that for you and I. We are wired for this. But our culture and our upbringing says, nope, be independent. One of the things that I observe for our church, this is where it's a little bit of in-house things, okay? So last week, we set a, 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 a post-COVID attendance record last week, which was crazy. We had 127 people in the house last week, and that was awesome. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. And we celebrate that because we value you going out into the community, inviting other people. I believe God works in this space. We had two people respond to the gospel last week. God moves in this house, and I believe that God works through people that work. So we will celebrate each one of those 127 because they all have a story. Every story matters to God, all right? And, and, and so we're going to celebrate that. I'm not about building a big church. I want people to meet Jesus. But when you go live out your faith and go live that in front of other people and God does his things, the church is going to grow. So we're going to celebrate that. But at the same time, I'm scared. It scared me. 
we have right now for this semester, we have four connect groups. And this isn't to guilt anyone or anything like that. We had seven groups last semester. Each of our connect group leaders, I talk with them, they only commit to six months at a time each of the semester. And they each have just other commitments that are beautiful that we celebrate. And so we say, if you can't do it this semester, don't do it, right? So that's awesome. And so we only have four. That's what we have. I'm like, one of our vital core values is relationships. This church, the strength of this church is in our relationships. I mean, obviously it's founded on Christ, but if we don't have strong relationships, quite honestly, you'll be here for a few months and then it does, you don't feel like you don't belong, you're not making the connection, and it's not too long before it's like, hey, I gotta go somewhere else because of the relationships. So I'm a little bit nervous here. I don't, and connect groups aren't necessarily the solution to all the relational problems. But I'm like, how do we build relationships? One of our main vehicles is connect groups. I don't have answers. I'm like praying to God. I'm trying to figure out different options. But I want you to understand, we are shooting for community here. All right? And there's going to be different models and different methods. The, the, the idea today is that we got to have relationships. God wants to use us. So we got to have to figure this out together as a family. So I want to share a couple things with you, some traps that I see. I want to, I want to identify four types of people that I see attending Free Ch Freedom Church and four traps that they fall into when it comes to building relationships that will keep you uh, uh, from building what is how God has wired you. Okay, so the first one is this, lonely people. All right, we've already kind of mentioned that there are people who here are lonely. There are people who are starving for relationships. They come in here and they are looking for a community. And they are really seriously struggling with loneliness. They come looking for a friend. They want to say, you know, share, share a meal, say hello, connect. The trap for people who feel lonely, the trap that we fall into when we, when we are feeling lonely is that we wait for others to go first. We wait for others to come say hello to us we wait for others to invite us to lunch. We wait for others to invite us to a meal. And we wait for others to go first. And while that can happen, I'm saying that is not going to be the answer to your loneliness, is waiting for others, because chances are nobody will. Where I've seen people defeat loneliness, where I've seen people attack loneliness and say, I'm not going to live this way, is they go and they take those next steps. They go be the friend that they're looking for. They go be the one that says, hey, I want to have a friend. I will go build and, 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 and build that relationship. Now, that's hard because we've got a lot of insecurities. I might be new here. I don't know these people. There's so many hardships in going and developing these relationships. But they're willing to take that step of faith. The truth is, the truth is, close friendships, close relationships will not happen by accident. You, you're not going to wake up one day and just be like, oh man, how did I get all of these friends? Like really close relationships. They all want to be with me. I don't even have time for them. Like it just happened. I don't know. It will not. That does not happen by accident. Sociologists will tell you that it takes 80 to 100 hours to go from an acquaintance to a friend. And it will take over 200 hours to go from a friend to a ride or die close friend, best friend. It takes time. 
And it takes hard work. It takes vulnerability. It takes accountability. It's not going to happen by accident. So if you are here today and you are feeling lonely, I'm going to say go first. Don't wait. And here's the hard part. I've I've been in Los Alamos for 20 years, and it kind of ebbs and flows in relationships. I'll have great seasons, then I'll have dry seasons because people move away or just different stages of life and different things. And, And I'll put myself out there, start a friendship, start a friendship, start a friendship, put in 20 hours, put in 50 hours, and then they move. And then I got to start all over again. Or I put in 100 hours, and then it finds out we bumped heads. And then I got to start. You got to keep going first over and over and over. It's not like, well, I tried that once in 2021. It didn't work. No. It's not going to happen by accident. If you are craving relationships, go first. And go first tomorrow. And go first next week. And continue until it just, oh, my gosh, it happened. I have community. I have relationships, I have accountability, I have mentors, I have people I'm mentoring. Why? Because I continue to go and go and go. Second type of person, the I'm happy by myself, I'm fine, leave me alone, thank you very much, no really, I'm fine, don't try to small talk me, back off, I am actually prefer it this way, person. Does that relate to anybody? And I get it, because I come in here, I've had whatever's going on, or I'm an introvert, or this is my personality. I like you, but back off. And that energy just oozes off. The trap for this person is that I'm fine. You can say you're fine all you like. But if you're a follower of Christ, community is not optional. You are wired for it, and you will always be lacking. The more you try to resist, I realize we have different personalities. It's going to look, but I don't care how introverted you are, how burned you've been. It is not an optional thing if you are a follower of Christ. You may like it, you may prefer it, but you will always need others in your life. And I say it like this, you cannot neglect all the one another's in the New Testament. And be a like you can be a follower of Christ, but you got all these. I got a screen right there. Love one another, be devoted to one another, serve one another, accept one another, instruct one another, bear with one another, forgive one another. How are you going to forgive one another if you're not close enough to get wounded by somebody? You're going to have to get close to people and open up, and then you get hurt, and then guess what? You got to forgive. Now, I ain't kissing y'all. So we ain't doing the last one, all right? Greeting each other with a holy kiss. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. You can't fulfill God's purposes for yourself by yourself. That's what I'm trying to say. You're a follower of Christ, but you're going to be missing that component. God has something for you, and it's going to intersect with other people. And at some point, you're going to have to. You're going to. It's going to have to register. You're going to. You're going to be missing out. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. For that person. You will come here, and you will like it, you will enjoy it, and then after six months, maybe less, maybe a year at most, at a certain point, you're going to get dissatisfied, disappointed, and disgruntled because you came here, you sat, you got filled up, but you never interacted with anyone else, and then it just, it eventually comes out. 
Does it's like some, something was left out. Someone didn't see me. Someone didn't, I never developed community, but, and then you're gone. Why? Because you're only getting half the benefit of this church. Sunday morning is great. I love it. But if you're missing out on community, you're not getting the full benefit of this church. I want the full benefits. I want people praying over me. I want the encouragement. I want to grow. I want to, I want to share life together with people. And that only comes, it doesn't, it, that doesn't happen in here. That's going to happen out here. Third person, the person who's too busy to even notice or care. Like I was going to try to list all the activities and the reasons that you're overwhelmed and overscheduled, but it's just, it's too much between all the kids stuff and the work stuff and the house stuff and the travel stuff and all the things, right? We're too busy to even notice or even care. You, intentions are great. You have the greatest intentions, but it's the actions. The trap, the trap for the person who's, who's too busy to even notice or care, the trap is that you're doing good things. The things that you're doing are, are good. Nothing what you're doing. If you talked about, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what the lineup is. Here's why I'm so burned out. Here's all this, this stuff that's going on. Here's all the, all the overwhelming things. They're good. But that's the trap. Because you're missing the opportunities that are right in front of you. Mainly people. I am so busy going to the next thing, I can't see what God has put right in front of me and its people. And this is, this, is, this is another area where I see people, we have great intentions, but our actions are lacking. And eventually, these people will get burned out. They get burned out, and what I see more common than not is your relationship with God drifts. We got so busy and so distracted and so overwhelmed with all of these things, my relationship with Jesus starts to drift. And I don't, I, I don't even know how I got there. What I need to do if I'm in this case is set some boundaries. Rita said this last week to our group leaders, and I'm going to steal it. it. says, when you say yes to something, okay, because some of us, we just can't say no. All right, we say yes to everything. But you got to understand, when you say yes to someone or something, yes, I will do that, you have to understand at the same time you are saying no to someone else or something else. So when I say yes to some church event on, a, on, on, uh, on an evening, which may not be a bad thing, it's a good thing, I might be saying no to my kids. Or I might be saying yes to my kids, but no to something else. You got to, every yes has a no. And understanding that, maybe I need to set some boundaries there. Fourth thing, I'm only here short term. The fourth type of person that I see a lot, I'm only here short term. I'm not here a very long time. I got a small contract. I got, um, I'm here for a, a few weeks, a few months, or a year. The trap for that person who's here short term, you are here, but you are not here. You're in the room, but you are not present. The big idea that I want you to see, and this is for everyone, you are here for a reason. Don't miss it. God has put you here for a reason. Don't miss it. God has put you in your workplace for a reason. Don't miss it. There is something for you every day. God, God has something for you every day. Don't miss it. He is alive. He is speaking. He is moving. I'm not trying to guilt anyone here, okay? God, I don't want to guilt you into relationships. I don't want to guilt you into a connect group. I want us to be in community with one another, but I understand these are the traps that we face. We come in here and we say, I want this great intentions, but here, here's where I'm at. Here's where I kind of struggle. Where did, where did Peter 
and John go. They were just on trial for sharing their faith. It said, as soon as they were freed, where did they go? To the church. They went back to the church family. They recognized if we are going to do this thing called Christianity, if we're going to do this thing called follow Jesus, He's given us victory. He's given us acceptance. He's given us forgiveness. He's told us to go and share our faith. He's told us to go and disciple. He said he take it to the ends of the earth. To every, if we're going to do this, we desperately need each other. And they knew it. We can't do this thing without one another. 2,000 years later, the church, you, we desperately need each other. And we have forgotten it. We do not understand how much we need one another if we're going to live this thing out. We can, we can say intellectually, yep, check, I agree. But when it comes to living this thing out, we struggle so much, the church in America, on living this thing out. As soon as they were freed, as soon as they were free, they went back. So what do we do? What do we do? I think we got to fight against our flesh and be, and be actually very intentional about going in relationships. So yes, we do connect groups here. All right, that's the what. But to be honest for myself, I'm, I'm not territorial, all right? I realize, hey, I can't meet on Tuesday nights. So that's not going to work for me. There's no really other option for me to meet. Okay, that doesn't stop you from looking in this room to say, who can I connect with? Who can I build relationship with? Who can I invite to lunch later? Who can I go to coffee this week? When I come in this room, I'm going to go first. I'm going to meet that person, recognize that person, remember their name, try to connect with them later. Like nothing is stopping you from building relationships. And I'm not even territorial. It doesn't even have to be Freedom Church. Maybe you're part of another church family or another group where you're building relationships and praying over and encouraging one another. Fantastic. That's what I want for you. I want you to have solid relationships where you can do life together. It's not about us knowing every single person in this room. It's like, do you know one? Do you know two? Can you journey together and not do it alone? These guys, they knew that. Now, I realize, here, here's the other thing, too, and I, I'm going to try to keep this going. I realize for some of you, we're here today, and you're like, this, Mike, this just sounds like hell. <laughs> like, this is hard. You want me to go meet strangers? You want me to just, like, share my feelings? Or I'll probably overshare my feelings with strangers, all right? Plus, I've been to groups, and there, there's weird people there, like, honestly, like, and if you've been to groups where there's not weird people there, then you, you know, like you're probably. Do you have time to meet in these groups? Probably not. Like I, I, I understand, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm introverted at the core. There's a big part of my flesh that does not want any part of this. I want to tell you something. It, it's, these are God-honoring things. These are vital things. These are things that the way that I was wired and that I got to live. And so contrary to how I feel, contrary to how what I think about my personality, I'm going to go after the things because this is how God has called me to live. It's wired in my DNA. 
Relationships are so important. Relationships are so important. When, when you and I get to heaven, okay, I think about this this week. When we get to heaven, I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but I know God's not going to be like, you know what, man? That salary you had was amazing. Way to go, man. All those PhDs you racked up, woo! Way to go, stellar, man. I, I, that was amazing work that you did. The square footage in your house, I mean, did you see the number? It was huge. Wait, I mean, I just love it. Those vacations, they are amazing. No, no, I'm not against any of those things. I think, I don't think. How did you treat the people that you were around? How, how did you treat the people who worked for you and you worked with? How did you, how did you see the people in front of you and serve them? And help them. It's going to be about people. It's going to be about people. These are the things that matter. I don't want more stuff. You don't want more stuff. You want more stories. That's what we're going to. God can use us. And when they got together and they prayed, the place, it said, shook. What difference does this make community that I don't even want to be a part of that I don't feel? It makes all the difference in the world. Because these, God blessed that. And he said, that's the community that I want. What difference does it make? Jesus prayed this. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. Genesis chapter 1. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they be one in us so that the world will believe you sent me. What difference does it make? The world of difference. That you and I get this. I realize the struggle, but I also want to communicate the why behind the what. We don't just do connect groups. We are trying to do something to build relationships that God wants for us. I want deeper friendships for you. What, what do I want in a community? Deep friendships. What's my ideal community? Deeper friendships for you. When you have deeper friendships, I know you will have a better life. When you have a better life, you're going to have greater impact. When you have greater impact, people meet Jesus. And when people meet Jesus, lives are changed. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for Freedom Church. That's what I want for Los Alamos. I don't want anything from you. I don't want a big church. But as we close out this series called Love Los Alamos, I desperately want things for you. And this is, this is where it's vital. Community, relationships with Jesus is not optional. Can we stand? Can we stand? Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.